It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Thank you. Another wonderful day. Happy New Year. Hopefully that you celebrated it well and uh, no gunfire in the air. I I don't know uh, what's going on with that. I'll talk to Mario about that. Uh, I'm joined by Mile High Mario, as always, another exciting show. One of the best hours of radio anywhere. So Nick's Secondary Perspective, uh, uh, let's jump into it right away. We have Jimmy Spencer on the line. We want to talk to him about uh, someone true and dear to our heart, a guy named Darren Williams. The Broncos fans, you might be familiar with Darren Williams, number 27. And uh, he was cut down in his prime. We want to talk to Jimmy to see what Jimmy has to say about uh, remembering our good friend, Darren Williams. Jimmy, are you there? Yes, I am, Nick. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing wonderful, and yourself? Happy New Year to uh, you. Ha- happy New Year. I'm joined by uh, uh, Mario Vitanzi. Mario. Oh, man, Jimmy, it is so good to hear from you, dude. Yeah, how you doing? How you been? Hey, man, can't complain. I'm, I'm out here with, with the Nick Ferguson and the Jimmy Spencer. I'm living the dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, Jimmy? I, was telling, I was telling Nick about how I was in the Cutco industry, and I was selling you and your wife some knives uh, about five years back. Yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> I mean, you're my, you're my best customer. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Spencer, the best customer. Now, now, Jimmy, let's jump into it really quick. Uh, sure. Yesterday marked the seventh year anniversary of Darren's uh, passing. And, and I know he was a very vibrant young man and young player on and off the field. What's some of your, your fondest memories of uh, Darren Williams? Well, I want to say Darren was an uh, excellent guy, um, kid, outstanding kid, um, very um, direct kid and knew what he wanted and overcame a lot of obstacles and even his childhood dream to be able to play in the NFL at, you know, at, at that height and, you know, a lot of teams reluctant to try to take him because of his height, but we were not afraid to take him because of his, his speed, his height, his personality. And he was up front with us when we brought him in before the draft about everything uh, with him doing his college uh, career. And we decided to take him in the second round. And um, it was a great thing to have him on this team with a, with a lot of you guys. Well, well Jimmy, we're on with uh, Jimmy Spencer, uh, former coach for the Denver Broncos, talking a little bit about Darren. Darrent Williams. Now, uh, Darren was a very vibrant individual, a lot of charisma. Now, if if he played in today's NFL, how do you see him fitting and ranking amongst the top corners in the league? I would see him um, ranking very high with those guys <clears throat> because Darren had uh, a lot of speed, very fast, very quick, and was not afraid to make plays. He was a playmaker always around the ball. And so I would see him up there with the top corners um, competing, as always. Um, like I said, you know, and then also off the field, very fun guy. Love to be around my wife. Um, also sold him his condo. And also he didn't have to worry about anything. She had his lights turned on. Anything time he needed something, he would give my wife a call and to help him set up everything. But very, very good young man. 
Now, at the time of his passing, the one thing that stuck out to me and touch on a little bit about it, um, how, how was it for, you know, the organization and as a whole and how Pat Bowlen handled that situation? Um, it was a very, very tough situation. Um, myself, I got the call about, about three-something in the morning. Um, and so myself and... Greek, Steve Antonopoulos, the head trainer of the Broncos. We live out this way in South Parker, Colorado, so we head down to the um, hospital together. We rode together, and, and so as we were heading down, um, Pat Bowden spoke with us and also Mike Shanahan, and it was just a tough deal when we got down there. Um, Brandon Marshall was there, Al Wilson, um, Javon Walker. So there was a lot of guys there, and there was a lot of pain, and and um, I just thank God that I was able to just to try to calm some people down and um, to try to get everything solidified. But Pat Bowden did a great job as far as getting Darren's family here, picking them up, bringing them to the hospital and everything, and anything they needed or what have you, he was there on the spot. If you just joined us, we're talking to uh, former Denver Broncos coach Jimmy Spencer as we celebrate the life and legacy of one uh, Darren Williams. Now, let's back up just a little bit. You were talking about when you guys brought him in, you drafted uh, drafted him. That year, there were two other corners that were drafted at the same time, I believe, Carl Pema and Dominique Foxworth. Yes. Why, why, why the need to draft so many corners? Well, at the time, <clears throat> excuse me, Mike, Coach Shanahan really wanted some, some corners and some good young corners um, that can run and make plays. And those are the guys that we brought in. We brought in, as you just stated, Darren Williams, second-round pick. We had two third-round picks that year. Um, Carl Pamer was the first third-round pick, and then Dominique Foxworth was the third, uh, was the the second third-round pick, I'm sorry. And so Mike just wanted some young guys with speed, and once we solidified the corner position, we wouldn't have to worry about drafting any more corners for a long time because you had your young guys, you had the speed, and the youth coming in. So that's why we took so many corners. Now, you, you live currently in Denver with a guy named uh, Peyton Manning, and yeah. the Broncos are having a sensational season. Yeah. Uh, how far do you think that number 18 can get the Denver Broncos? I think we have a chance to go all the way. We're, we're set up just the way we were last year. Uh, we still have that bad taste in our mouth from last year when Baltimore came in here and we basically gave it to him. So I think we should go all the way this year. Um, everything is set up again for us. And Peyton Manning, uh, is, like you say, is playing exceptionally well this year. And he is very determined to get back to that Super Bowl. And I know the team is going to be right there following him. So I think we should get there this year. So, hey, so Jimmy, referring back to that loss last year, how often or I guess, how much do players play with that in the back of their minds? I mean, is that something that you play with where it's, it's constantly in your mind and you're thinking about it? Or is that more of a situation where players tend to forget about it? I mean, does, does that fuel their playoff fire in any way? Or is it just kind of one of those things that you want to get past? Um, I think it really fuels um, your play, your practice, your study time, everything you do it goes back to that game. When you look at um, the Miami Heat, when they lost that year, all year you heard LeBron James and Dwayne Wade talking about that whole year when they got beat. And so you carry that 
year-round, and I know those guys are taking that, and they know once they get up about two or three touchdowns, they're not taking anything light because of what happened to them last year. So I know that had a big thing to do with it as far as them getting to where they are today. Well, but, um, so Jimmy, I guess it, just, it just depends on how they, how they handle it. You can handle it in any different way, so hopefully they you know, handle it the right way. Yes. Well, Jimmy, it was great having you on. Uh, feel free to, to join us. We have another Denver Bronco hanging on the line, and, and, and Jake Palmer. Uh, Jimmy, feel free to always call back. Okay. Thank you for having Thanks, me. Thank I appreciate you, it. Appreciate it. Talking to you, Mark. Hey, great talking to you, Jimmy. Okay. Take care, guys. Do we, do we have the, the great Jake Plummer? Is he on the line? Yeah, guys, what's up? Jake uh, what's Plummer. up, Jake? Ladies How's and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we're blessed on Nick Ferguson's second perspective to be uh, joined by one of uh, the best collegiate quarterbacks and NFL quarterbacks, that in Jake the Snake uh, Plummer. We were just talking to uh, Jimmy Spencer and just kind of reminiscing about uh, a little bit about Darren Williams as we try to celebrate him on his seventh anniversary. Uh, you can also hit us up at Malha Mario on Twitter and at Nick Ferguson underscore. And also feel free if you want to jump in, 888-346-9144. Uh, Jake, uh, tell me something about your, your fondest memories of uh, one Darren already Williams. You know, <laughs> I, I was very intrigued by him when he first came in. Um, very rarely do you see in the NFL uh, a guy of his, of his stature. Uh, he wasn't a big dude. He wasn't overly muscular and didn't seem like uh, your prototypical DB. And right off, I kind of had a, uh, a soft spot for him because, you know, I was undersized as a quarterback. I was too skinny. He wasn't strong enough. Same kind of things were said about him, you know, too small, you know, not tough enough, this and that. But I know, you know, from the get-go, I was impressed. Uh, there were times at practice I wanted to go throat to throat with him because he had that fire <laughs> and that spunk, and it didn't mix well with me because I had that same exact fire and spunk. Like, don't tell me I can't do this. And he just seemed to like to step up and, and uh, you know, ruffle feathers. And he, and he really was a tough, tough competitor. And I love that he had a chip on his shoulder. He was kind of, uh, like I said, he was a small dude that really wasn't expected to even make it in the NFL, and here he is on the team, and from the get-go, man, he was making plays at DB, and, and you could see that the potential there and the, what he brought to the table was just a lot of love and a lot of excitement, and it was, a fun, it was fun to play with him. Wow. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you are joining us, we are joined by Arizona State quarterback, Former quarterback, <laughs> Jake the Snake Slytherin Plumber. <laughs> now I wanna I wanna go out on a limb here and Jake, I've I've told you this before. You are head and shoulders by far my favorite Broncos quarterback of all time. I Thank and you. I don't hesitate to say that whatsoever. Thank you. I appreciate that. There's some good <laughs> ones. I've uh for you to say that means a lot. I've uh a lot of fond memories of all my playing days, but a lot of great ones in Denver. We had a great team, great guys, and Darren was one of those guys that added to that mix and just uh, fit in well with all the vets we had. And, you know, you know, Nick, we had some good guys on that team. Yeah, we definitely had some, some, some good guys. Yeah, I, I want to switch subjects for just a second. You know, uh, we just, it's bowl season, and we just watched Duke play Texas A&M. 
And there's been a lot of talk about Johnny Manziel in the NFL, and you just mentioned the type of quarterback that you are. And I know when you look at Johnny Manziel, you look at Russell Wilson, you look at Drew Brees, but I also look at a guy like, like Jake Plummer. Now, how do you think that he will fit into the NFL and how much success do you think he could have? You know, that's a good question, and it's going to be fun to see what happens. I think he should stay at Texas A&M. I think he should, you know, finish up his career. The the allure now of all the money that these, these guys get and the importance of a QB, um, you know, teams are looking for that next guy. They're going to give a fork out a lot of money right up front and give right. these kids a chance, and I don't think they're ready. I think Johnny Football has a, an amazing amount of talent. I mean, he can throw the ball – from any position, he doesn't have to have his feet set or his feet perfectly, um, and he gets away with some throws now in, in college that he won't in the pros. So that'll be his challenge: is to know when to keep it tightened up and when to, you know, do that improv- improvisational stuff that really you can't coach and you can't you can't teach a player to do that. Yet he can do that if you can kind of kind of corral him when he needs to be, but without taking away that instinctual playmaking ability, that's going to be the challenge of not only, not for him, but for a coach to, to foster correctly and to, to grow in the right way. Uh, but I like to see kids stick around in college. I mean, the greatest, one of the greatest players, quarterbacks that we're all talking about now, Peyton Manning, he stayed in t- at Tennessee for his senior year when he knew he was going to be a first rounder. And right. God, it just was an experience. Like he said, I'm never going to be in college again. This is amazing. And the money now, if you're leaving early, you're leaving to play for the money. And I never played for the money. And I know a lot of guys that played their butts off in the NFL. It wasn't about the money. It was about winning and playing football and being with your teammates. The money was secondary. But these kids leaving early now, their main motivation is the money. And I think it's the wrong way to approach the game. So hopefully he'll stay uh, for the fan's sake and for his sake. But if he does leave, I think his future is bright. He's got a lot of talent. We're joined by uh, Jake Plummer, former quarterback of the Denver Broncos and Arizona State. I like to call him Jake Slytherin Plummer. J- Jake, you, you were talking about the fact that younger guys coming out early claiming the money, but if a guy stays in college, I mean, doesn't that increase the potential of him getting injured? Then you look at Manziel, I mean, what, what more can he do? I mean, he's won a Heisman. I mean, he hasn't won a national championship, but I don't think he's going to get that done with the type of defense he has there in Texas A&M. So, I mean, should he actually really stay looking at what he's done so far? Yeah, you know, that's the, that's the tough part. I don't, you know, I can't think for him or, or make that decision, but I know that, yeah, injuries are obviously, uh, anybody can get injured. I mean, he could get injured tomorrow if he goes and, goes into the weight room, drops a weight on his foot. Uh, you know, you never know with injuries. It's a matter of uh, how much he loves being a Texas A&M Aggie. Is he, is he wanting to stay there and, and build even a bigger legacy, or is he ready to go, you know, make the money? I mean, he's going to make money no matter what, and maybe, you know, one more year will, will hurt that potential. So, hey, if that's the way it is, I mean, that's kind of the nature now. If, the, if you have a chance to go in the league and, and make some money, that's great. Kids go and leave, but I think – it's a bigger jump than I think a lot of them are ready for, and they get thrown in the fire. And, uh, you know, a guy like, say, like Brett Hundley at UCLA, right. yeah, that guy's got tons of NFL potential, but I don't know if he can jump right in right now at the age he is and the experience he has and, and do what Russell Wilson's doing. Well, Russell Wilson, he played uh, – he was a senior when he came out. So, I mean, there's a kid who got experience, you know. And, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hit or miss, but I, I, I want to see these kids at least – 
enjoy their college when it's still uh, playing for the love of the game and before you get into that next level where you know you're 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 critiqued and you're broken down and they're you're making a lot of money and it's great but you know it's not the same as college well you know and at the risk of sounding cynical here jake johnny menzel's been paid anyway allegedly yeah, and I'm glad that he another more year and maybe maybe some under the table handouts and uh yeah, we'll just we'll just say tell it tell it like it is, man. Mario, we really don't know that, so let's not make any Hey, uh, hey, 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 I said allegedly. All I right. said allegedly. I'm just I'm just reporting. This is this is what we saw on ESPN. I'm not accusing or saying but, you know, if, if it's about the money, I feel like he doesn't have a lot to worry about. All right, we, we got about to, Go ahead, Jake. No, you know, the, the, the bringing up that part about the money is a great conversation. I'm glad that that came up with him because the college level needs a change. It needs something to happen. And, you know, these kids, if you want to keep them in college, then give them some, something more than just a scholarship check and, and a, the guarantee of having an education. Because as we know, education sometimes can go, go become secondary when you're playing football and the pressure that these kids are feeling, you know, Keeping them kids, keeping those kids in your college, and the money that Johnny Football is making for A and M, Texas A and M, they want him to come back. But how does he come back, justifying you know living off of a seven hundred fifty bucks a month when they're making millions off of him? So there's a, a big, it's a big discrepancy there. There's uh, something needs to be changed, and I'm glad that it's at least out there and being you know talked about. Well, we're joined by Jake Plummer, former Arizona State standout and former Denver Bronco quarterback. Jake, as we get into the playoffs, uh, feel free to call back and, and as we break down the matchup of what quarterback has a better opportunity to hoist up that, that trophy at the end of the day. Uh, thanks for having you on. It's always a pleasure, and we're lucky. And listeners, you're, we're lucky have to have Jake. I know he's a really busy person. Uh, Jake, thanks once again, man. Appreciate it. Hey, you guys, I appreciate it. I'm going to leave you with this one thing. You know, one thing about Darren Williams is that he, he didn't let anybody tell him that he never could do anything and make it in the NFL, and he believed in himself more than a lot of players I've been around. He had a real strong belief in himself, and that's the key, man, is trust in your abilities and, and never lose that as a player. And if you want to learn something about Darren, you know, that was one thing that I, I thought he did a great job of. Thank you, Jake. You heard the great Jake Plummer Thanks, talking about former teammate Darren Williams to celebrate his uh, seventh anniversary of his passing. Stay tuned after the break. We're going to jump into Black Friday, and we have some more special guests coming up for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Happy New Year, or as Eddie Murphy would say in trading places, Merry New Year! So <laughs> hopefully your New Year's off to a fast start. We just had Jake Plummer on the show and Jimmy Spencer talking about fondest memories of one Darren Williams. Uh, you can reach us at Mile High Mario on Twitter, and you can also hit me up at Nick Ferguson underscore twenty five. Mario, I believe you have something to tell the people. All right. Here's the thing. Um, as most of you might know, Jake Plummer is not on Twitter, and I've actually talked to him about this before because last season he did a lot of work with the Pac-12 network. You know, they'd fly him out there to the studio and he'd get it done. And, uh, you know, he's like, do I need a Twitter account? They are like, well, no, but you're going to be the only one in our staff that doesn't. He goes, yeah, I don't really care. And so when I'm talking to him about it, saying, you know, Jake, why don't you want to be on Twitter? And he's like, you know what? I love my fans to death. But it just seems like a little invasive sometimes. And uh, there's, there's just certain things that you know, I don't want people to have that kind of access to me. And now that I'm seeing uh, some of the, uh, the uprise that we're getting on Twitter just right. from having Jake Plummer on, uh, one Chrissy Bex is saying stuff like, Jake Plummer, marry me. Oh, man, listening to Jake Plummer with little hearts in my eyes. It's wow. like, okay, pause. Pause. Wow. Pause for a second because that's exactly why Jake Plummer isn't on Twitter. You're you're creeping a little bit. You need to <laughs> throw on the brakes, put it in reverse, back it up, and try again because you're coming in a little hot right wait, now. Wait a minute, Mario. I think I think Jake would be flattered that there are still fans out there that uh, hold him near and dear to their their heart and don't look at him as though some people. Look at him. I mean, Jake was a great quarterback for the Denver Broncos. He did some some great things. You know, got the team to the playoffs. So I think it's great. You know, I mean, Chris, don't, don't get me wrong. Like I, I got a man crush on Jake Plummer. I mean, I'll say it. Like I said, I I came out and I treated it like I was like a twelve year old girl saying he's my favorite Broncos quarterback of all time. You know, I is one of the only people that I ever get starstruck around. But you can't be blowing him up on Twitter like that. You're creeping. She's, You're creeping. Not, 
she's not blowing him up on Twitter because he's not on Twitter. <laughs> but indir- indirectly, I'm just saying, look out, Jake. Chrissy, listen, if you're listening, it's, it's okay. You know, it's great that fans show their appreciation because realistically, let's talk, real, real talk, okay? <laughs> fans help players become who they are. If you don't show up to the games and you don't cheer, you don't buy the jerseys, you don't sit in the stadiums, you don't buy the NFL direct TV red zone package, the players aren't who they are. That's why when I played for the Denver Broncos, I signed the autograph whether we won the game or we lost the game because I love the fans. Whether you're Broncos fans or not, unless you are Oakland Raiders fans, now we're talking about something entirely different. But for most fans... probably prison. Well, well, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm not. Sorry. Those comments are only left by Mario Batanzi at Mile those, High Mario. The views expressed by Mario are Mario's alone. Mile High Mario. You want to get at me on Twitter, go ahead. That's right. But, but if, they allow, if they have Wi-Fi <laughs> in the county jail, Raiders fans, hit me up. See, see, na- see now you're stereotyping, Mario. You can't Sorry. do that. You're stereotyping. No, man, I'm just going off of what I've experienced as a fan. This is this is this is a this is research. It's not it's not stereotypes. Hey, listen, I'm going to stay out of that. But 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 moving on, Chrissy, <laughs> want to tweet Jake, say hi, whatever. I mean, you know, we'll pass, we'll pass along the the message. We'll pass along. Uh, um, last this past Monday, of course, was uh, Black Monday. I know this. You know, Cyber Monday and Black Friday, but usually Black Monday in the NFL means someone's getting fired. And, a lot of people getting fired. Right. So there, there, there were several coaches in the NFL that were fired this weekend. And so far, there have been two coaches, Bill O'Brien, uh, a former GA at Georgia Tech while I was there, and now is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. And Lovey Smith, who was fired from the Chicago Bears after 10 and 6 season, is now back in the NFL after one year hiatus with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Mario, what does yes, this... Sir. Now, 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 before I jump into that, also, Cleveland Browns are planning on planning on interviewing Josh McDaniels. Good. Coach Josh. So, before you go into Josh McDaniels, because I, I know you have something to talk about, <laughs> talk about what Lovey Smith means for Tampa Bay and the NFC now that he's back in the league. I think that bringing in Lovey Smith was the best possible thing that the Buccaneers could have done now. Here's a guy, like you said, 10-6, and six, and then he got fired by a Bears team that really, in my opinion, last season wasn't good enough to compete in the playoffs. Not saying they shouldn't have made the playoffs. They were a playoff caliber team, right. but not a team that would really be able to make a legitimate run. So for them to fire a coach who has really kind of helped this team resurface, who has brought an offensive mindset back to this team. Keep in mind, he was the one that brought in Alshon Jeffrey. He's the one that you know tried to make this more of an offensive-minded team. And when you lose Lance Briggs for as long as they did, and then Brian Urlacher retires and you have to deal with that whole thing, even though Urlacher wasn't competing at the level that he typically can, it's, it's more of a mental and emotional thing to have him there. So losing all of those people for your team on your defense, it puts your defense in a hole. Not to mention being in a very good division last year when uh, the year that Lovey got fired. Obviously, we all know how good the Packers are. 
Um, the Vikings had a very good year that year. And the Lions, I mean, we all know what happened this year. Obviously, they struggle. They're still a difficult team. That is a very talented division, in my opinion, top to bottom, no matter what the records are. Right. And so it's baffling to me. So now the Buccaneers bring this guy in who yeah, – and the, Buc- the Buccaneers have a very good base defense. Obviously, having Darrell Reeves, one of the best corners in the game right now, that's a huge advantage. And it's, it's something really, in my opinion, he never had the luxury of in Chicago. You know, he would have difference makers at corners, but he never had a true shutdown corner the way that he has in Darrell Rivas. So I think he goes in there. Uh, Mike Glenn is going to be able to grow from him, uh, from Levy Smith's background. And I think this is going to be a very good team in the next couple of years. Obviously, very tough division top to bottom now uh, that the Buccaneers are in. Two of those teams in the playoffs right now. Uh, but again, like I said, Glennon's going to grow. Doug Martin's going to come back and get healthy. Vincent Jackson's a very talented receiver. You get a couple more weapons for Glennon and, you know, tighten up the offensive line. The Buccaneers are going to be a very good team, very difficult to beat. And I like Levy Smith's so much more than Shiano. If you listen and you're joining Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective, the best hour on radio anywhere. And Mario, we have someone holding who I believe they have some things they want to express to you. Chrissy, are you on with Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective? Well, I guess, uh, I, I I'm, guess, I'm I guess she's not there. She, had to, she got nervous and she had to hang up. Okay, well, she, she was just too overwhelmed by by Nick Ferguson <laughs> and myself, and she just couldn't handle it. Well, Chrissy, uh, it, 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 I, I don't know what happened with the connection. If you want to call back, call back. We'll get you back in in the lineup. I definitely want to hear what what uh, she has to say. Uh, so now let's move on to Josh McDaniels. Uh, only get an interview because per the NFL rules, assistance of teams that are currently in the playoffs can only interview for a job. They can't be hired. They can't discuss any kind of compensation. They can just be interviewed. Now, he's one in the the list of guys. Also, Todd Bowles, uh, defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, They've been talking about uh, bringing him in. But uh, Josh McDaniels has a connection. You know, uh, Bill Belichick was there. Mike Lombardi, uh, who's now, I believe, in the front office there, so this might be a possibility of Josh McDaniels. Now, now, tell our listeners what you think about Josh McDaniels, not personally, but as far as, because we don't, we don't want to do that, you know. Remember, this is a PG show. Uh, but but <laughs> tell, tell our listeners what, you, what were your thoughts before we came on air about Josh McDaniels taking over the Cleveland job. Uh, honestly, and we, we were discussing this, like you said, Nick, before we started the show, Cleveland is a place where quarterbacks go to die and where head coaches go to die. doesn't matter who's been there from a quarterback or head coaching perspective. We're like, like we were saying during the break, if Johnny Menzel goes to the Cleveland Browns, we're not talking about the success of Johnny Menzel in the NFL. It all depends on where he goes. We're not going to get into that, but it's just Cleveland is one of these places that you simply cannot have success for whatever reason. And I apologize if you're a Browns fan and I feel for your city because you were so close when LeBron was there and the Cavs were in, in the championship and the NBA finals and they couldn't <laughs> get it done. And then LeBron packs up and heads for greener pastures when he's going to win, not six, not seven, not eight, 
And then you look at the baseball team, where it's like every year they have so much potential, and this year they finally made it to the playoffs, sort of, and then they got knocked out. And then you look at your football team, who left you for decades, and then they come back, and you're so excited, and they're terrible. And I think they made the playoffs that one year when Derek Anderson was at the helm, and they, the Browns finally made the playoffs, and then they got knocked out right away. <laughs> this is what we've come to expect from Cleveland, and I'm so sorry, Browns fans and Indians fans and Cavs fans. I feel the pain. I really do. I have family in Cleveland, Ohio. They, they talk to me as a sports personality. They say, Mario, what can we do? And I tell them, move out of Cleveland <laughs> because it's not going to get any better. <laughs> so if Josh McDaniels go, goes there, the man is a social pariah in Denver. You will not talk up to one Bronco fan who has anything nice to say about Josh McDaniels, which isn't fair because I will remind you, Debarius Thomas, Eric Decker, both drafted under the regime of Josh McDaniels. But then people say, yeah, so was Tim Tebow. Let's not forget that. It's like, okay, well, I guess we can throw all the good picks out the window. Bottom line, a lot of people thought that when Josh McDaniels came to Denver for his short stint, Bill Belichick sent him personally to Denver to sabotage the Broncos from within, and then they got rid of him, and then, of course, he returns back to his original home in New England as if none of this ever happened. Because if you remember a few years ago, Nick. Mar- Marty, I got, I, I, hold I'm that, sorry, go ahead. Hold that, hold that thought. We have uh, another surprise caller in. Uh, Thomas, are you there? Hello? Th- Th- Thomas. I can hear you, Thomas. All right, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, uh, another surprise call. Thomas McGahee, who was uh, the special teams coach for the Denver Broncos, now a victorious LSU special teams coach, coming off of that bowl win yesterday in Outback Bowl versus Iowa. Uh, T-Mac, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, I had Jake Plummer and Jimmy Spencer on earlier, and we were reminiscing about Darren Williams. You were in the, that room, in the draft room, in the war room, as they call it, NFL. When you guys were looking at returners and secondary guys, what was the thing that jumped out to you about Darren Williams? Well, the first thing that jumped out about Darren was, was his competitiveness. I mean, he was a, he was a little guy. He was 5'8", probably 180 pounds, 185 pounds, but he tackled like he was you know, 6'1", 215. Uh, very, very physical for a little guy. Uh, excellent short area quickness and outstanding straight line speed. I think Darren ran four three zero at the combine uh, in the forty. Yes. But Darren's straight line speed was was absolutely ridiculous. Now, that was the thing that really jumped out at you about him. Now, are there any other you know memories that you have of Darren Williams as far as uh, any accomplishments on the field or things that might have taken place in the locker room? You know, the, the thing I remember most about Darren is just, you know, again, his competitiveness and, um, you know, how he, how he played big and, and, and big situations. You know, just for a little guy as a rookie, how he stepped in and made plays, uh, how, how he uh, really just kind of took over that nickel spot and, and just really, you know, followed the leadership of, of Champ Bailey and, and all those guys that were in that secondary, Nick, and all you guys kind of, Really saw, and really the, the one big memory that I really remember is the 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 uh, during training camp with with him going against Jerry Rice and Jerry Rice trying 
you know, asking me a question, man, who, who is this little dude, man? Because, you know, Darren was on him. He was on him pretty tough. So, so that that's my one of my really, really good fond memories, Darren. Well, I, I know you're coming off the, the huge bow one. I watched the game uh, of yesterday. Good job for LSU and Les, Les Miles. Uh-oh. Now, it's been said that the SEC is the best conference in college football. Right? Now, now, what is it, in your opinion, that makes teams like LSU and Alabama so great and able to get that depth season after season? What is it about about you guys in recruiting? Um, you know, you just got to recruit the best kids in the country. And, and being here at LSU, you just, you know, it, you're blessed because you you have that ability. We've, we've done, you know, Coach Miles has done such a great job here of recruiting um, and winning football games. You know, that obviously those two things kind of, go hand in hand and if you win you get the good players if you don't win you, you don't it's kind of real simple well T Mac thank you I know you just landed and just getting off the plane it's a pleasure as always to have you on maybe we can get you back on when recruiting season starts to kick up in full for uh, gear once again congratulations on that bowl went yesterday uh, happy new year and send my best wishes to the to the family all right, Nick. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. Y'all have a good one. Happy All right, thank you. Hey, good talking right. to you, Coach. All right, same here. Bye-bye. That's T-Mac, if you just joined us. Thomas McGahee, uh, special teams coach for the LSU Tigers, straight off the plane, but decided to join us and celebrate Darren Williams' uh, life uh, straight off of Bowen. Might I add, Outback Bowen, when they beat – uh, well, that's I, why he was yes, so though. willing to call in, man. You know, he's on, he's riding that bull high right now. I mean, it's a different outcome. We might not be hearing from Mr. T Mac. Might not, but stick <laughs> with us after the break. We're going to talk more NFL. Get into a little pre-draft discussion. You're listening to Voice America Sports, Dick Ferguson, secondary perspective. Be right back. Got to pay some bills. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening.
listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. I'm joined always by... Mario Vitanza, you can find him at Mile High Mario, and you can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Before we went to the break, we were just talking to LSU special teams coach Thomas McGahee as he was reminiscing and as we celebrate the life of Darren Williams, giving us some great insight on what it was like to sit in that draft room and draft a guy like uh, Darren Williams. But we're going to get back and let Mario go into his tangent about uh, Josh McDaniels and Cleveland. Hey, man, if there's – yeah, so like I was saying before before we took the call, just, just as a quick recap, if you're a Broncos fan, you agree with me 100%. You have nothing nice to say about Josh McDaniels. He did give you Demarius Thomas. He did give you Eric Decker. But you look past that because of the big – picture this is a guy and i think the what really put bronco fans over the top and maybe you'll remember this mr ferguson a couple of years ago at home when they welcomed the oakland raiders and the raiders whomped them by like something like 30 or 40 points and it was at that moment that everybody was through with josh mcdaniels do you remember that game i do remember that game also that was a point where Everything was going great for the Broncos. And, you know, earlier there was some spat between, you know, I believe Josh McDaniels and Brandon Marshall. But they were winning. But once the team started to lose, things just turned sour. So, I, I don't know. You know, when, when you coach with New England and you coach a guy like Tom Brady and your offense is playing well and you do, you're able to get into the playoffs at the two seed with just kind of no-name wide receivers, I guess that says a lot for you, but I guess it helps that you have a guy like maybe a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady. So the fact, that, the fact that he's getting looked at for that Cleveland job, we, we knew this was going to happen. We just don't want to see another North Turner type of situation. It, and the thing with McDaniels, when he came to Denver and he was supposed to you know, succeed Shanahan and be the next Mike Shanahan where he's this young offensive mastermind. And he is. I mean, he's done a nice job in New England as an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. But obviously you got to give credit to Tom Brady. He's Tom freaking Brady. And, you know, Nick, you're mentioning about how they don't have any receivers. Look back into some of the Super Bowls that they won. When Dion Branch was the Super Bowl MVP. Was he really that great of a wide receiver? Well, no, because uh, what not, happened? He, he wasn't a slouch either. Hey, he got a big fat contract in Seattle, and he did absolutely nothing with it. Tom Brady made these receivers. I mean, you look back uh, several years ago, I believe it was 06 uh, or 07 when they won a Super Bowl, Troy Brown was his number one target. Was Troy Brown really that great of a receiver? No. I mean, he was a, he was a role player. He wasn't the number one guy. Tom Brady turned him into a superstar. So how much credit do you really give McDaniels for being an offensive mastermind? And how much credit do you give to Tom Brady? Because when McDaniels came here and he had to work with a Kyle Orton and a Tim Tebow, and oh, I guess it was mostly Kyle Orton, look what happened. He, you go on a six-game win streak, and everybody's riding high, and 
and then you're done. That's, that's the extent of your legacy in Denver because everything completely falls off because you have this Napoleon complex where you feel the need to control everything. And if he goes to Cleveland, that's exactly what's going to happen again. It's history repeating itself. When he's in New England, of course he can't have a Napoleon complex because Belichick runs that. That is a dictatorship, and Belichick is Mussolini. Bottom line, he, he runs the show. <laughs> Well, okay, so so, so, so the Cleveland, that team will implode even more than they have. So if you're a Browns fan, you do not want Josh McDaniels as your next head coach. All right, if you join us, this is Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective, Voice America Sports. I'm joined always by my partner in crime, Mario Vitanzi at Mile High Mario, and he's going on his tangent about Josh McDaniels and the Cleveland Browns interview. It's just an interview. He, he doesn't have the job. They haven't named him the head coach. He's just going through the preliminaries of the interview process, but I can't fault Mario for feeling the way that he feels about what Josh McDaniels did to his faithful Denver Broncos. Now, Mario, real, real quick, there's a tweet that came in. And I want to read this to you and get your take on it. This okay. comes from Dara Prater at D Prater 72. Pardon about that. Uh, he said, what should the Dolphins do to improve their team next year? He's saying fire the GM, which is Jeff Ireland, offensive coordinator, Mike Sherman. What do you think? I mean, here's the thing. Anytime that your team comes as close as the Dolphins did to making the playoffs and you know, you lose your last two games of the season to teams that honestly have no business beating you if you are a playoff team. The number one response is always going to be fire somebody. And that and, and we are a bit as unruly as fans because that's what Bronco fans did back when Mike Shanahan missed the playoffs and he got fired despite bringing two Super Bowls to Denver. So what happened with McDaniels, everybody called for his head right away. Coaches are the scapegoat, whether it's the offensive coordinator, whether it's uh, the head coach, defensive coordinator, any any position, any set of any side of the ball that's struggling, that's the coach you're going to point fingers at. So instead of firing, you know, and jumping the gun, first look back last year at where the Dolphins were compared to this year. Right. The Dolphins competed; they were a much better team. Tannehill made a lot of progress. Bringing in Mike Williams didn't help as much as they thought, uh, but once he started getting used to the offense, he started acclimating himself, then he really started to make a difference. In my opinion, the thing that the Dolphins need to do is, A, get Tannehill one more decent weapon. Charles Clay turned out to be a very good uh, tight end this year, set uh, all kinds of franchise records at the tight end position for the Dolphins. But, Nick, when Brian Hartline is honestly your best receiver, your most reliable receiver, you could probably do for an upgrade at the receiver position. Not only that, they, they have two talented running backs, Daniel Thomas and Lamar Miller, but neither of them are every down backs. And I know we have gotten to that point in the NFL where you don't necessarily have an every down back. It's, right. a, it's a running back by committee, but these guys do pretty much the same thing. Neither of them are very dynamic. They're very vanilla uh, middle-tier running backs. They need a game-changer, kind of like what they had in Reggie Bush. It's really a shame that they couldn't hold on to him because Reggie Bush in this offense, I think the Dolphins are an 11, maybe 12-win team if Reggie Bush was here and healthy, just with the way the team it is. So as the Dolphins fan, 
just be patient, man. Be patient right now, Mr. Prater. You're, as long as your Dolphins keep making progress, they're going to push the Patriots for a division title the next couple of years. You don't have to worry about the Jets. You don't have to worry about the Bills. That's the team you're going to go after. And as long as they keep making improvements and they bring better personnel onto both sides of the ball, they're going to be fine. Mario, if it happens last year, then you can talk about firing people. But you know, I, I disagree with you on, on, on this point. The fact of saying that you're not going to get anything from the Jets and you're not going to get anything from the Bills. One thing that Doug Marone has been able to do with, with that team is just kind of re- revitalize them, give them that new blood. That's why I believe that you don't need retread on, on old coaches, but you need to bring in some new guys with some fresh ideas. And with E.J. Manuel, quarterback, and C.J. Spiller at the running back position, they, they have some pieces. They, they can be competitive. But, but, but to think that just this, the division is just going to be the New England Patriots and possibly the Miami Dolphins, I, I don't think so. And I think, you know, uh, Darif was right in what he was saying. I think maybe you don't fire Mike Sherman. Maybe you might fire Jeff Ireland because you still have this Richie Incognito thing that's out there where we still don't know if Jeff Ireland – was the backbone behind pioneering, you know, uh, or encouraging Richie Incognito to, to really, you know, fire Jonathan Martin up and, or toughen him up. But also, you got to think about it. Offensive coordinators, you just deal with what is given to you. You might be in that, that war room saying, I need this wide receiver, I need that offensive lineman. But ultimately, that GM, which is Jeff Ireland, it is his job to put players and the personnel on the field. So you can't play chess with checker pieces. It's impossible. Well, no, I, I, I understand that, Nick, but my point is before you fire anybody, you got to compare the year before to the current year. Obviously, it's heartbreaking the way that they got knocked out of the playoffs when, you know, their destiny was in their own hands and they blew it. Blew you know, it. let's come right yeah. out and say it. I mean, and, and if that happens to your team, the team that you root for and you come so close and you can taste it and you come up just short the way that you did, you want people to get fired. Bottom line, that's just how it is. But compared to what they did the previous year, they are making progress. Give them one more year. If they don't make any more progress than they did this year, then yeah, fire somebody. Heads are going to roll. You just got to be patient in this industry. You know, and I think it's a huge knee-jerk reaction when you don't have success and, and it's like, well, who are we going to fire? Because in Dallas, every time they don't have a successful season, you know, Jerry Jones is firing someone. He is firing. Right. Someone's out the window. You look at uh, Chajinski, uh, who was the head coach for just one season for the Browns. I mean, he had to come in and try to change the landscape of what his predecessor had done with that team. It, it's going to take more than one year to change the whole ideology of what was going to take place in that locker room. So the fact that just firing guys after one year really, really doesn't make uh, any sense. Uh, we have... Derek on the line. Derek, you on the phone with Nick and Mario? Nick's secondary perspective. What's going on? Nick, what's up, man? This is Derek, of course. Um, hey, what's going on, Derek? Hey, man. Thanks for taking my um, a call and um, reading my tweet. Hey, but my whole my, my whole thing behind the uh, the fire in Jeff Ireland is you think about the off season moves that he made with the linebackers, in which you get rid of Carlos Dansby. He's all pro in Arizona. What did our linebackers do for us? Not a thing. I just think Jeff Ireland made a lot of bad decisions that put us in the situation that we're in now. 
We don't have an offensive line. All the GM moves uh, that he's making has been bad moves. You bring in Mike Wallace, who's great, but not dependable. Brian Hartline should not be your number one receiver. So I do, do totally agree with that. But the moves that Jeff Ireland has made since Bill Parcells has left has been pretty much garbage. And that's what's going to hold the Dolphins back because they're not making the necessary moves to be that elite team. Offensive line is definitely the problem. Running backs can't do anything with the offensive line. Fortunate for us, we had Reggie Bush, who was just a little bit more athletic and did a couple more things that got us by or made our offensive line look somewhat decent. But the tail result is Lamar Miller leaves, not Lamar Miller, but Reggie Bush leaves, no offensive line, and this is what you get. Two shots to make the playoffs, and you lose both games. Enough said. Darrell, thanks for uh, calling in. Feel free to call back as well. Uh, Mario, Darrell you know, uh, has some very valid points when you look at the running back position. Losing Reggie Bush, but once again, it goes back to the personnel. When you have game changes, whether on offense or defense, you can't let those guys leave your organization and go, go somewhere else. You have to find a way to keep those guys uh, uh, in the building. Now, uh, talking playoffs now before we get out of here, you know, we have four games, well, two games this, this weekend. You have San Francisco and Green Bay. You have Philly and New Orleans. KC and the Colts. Uh, now, looking at those games, I mean, who are you projecting to win? Because I'm going to tell you right I, now. I, I, like, I like Indy at, uh, at Kansas City. I like New Orleans at Philly. And I like San Francisco and Green Bay. All right, I'll give you a breakdown real quick. I like Cincy over San Diego. I like Indy over Kansas City. I like Green Bay at home over San Francisco. And I like Philly over New Orleans. Looking in the AFC side, I just like the home teams more than the away teams. I think Green Bay is a much different team at home than they are on the road. And so we're not going to see a repeat of what we saw between the uh, Niners pack early on in the season. Same thing with New Orleans. New Orleans is a very, very bad team on the road, completely different. We saw that especially towards the end of the season. So I think Philly, as hot as they are, come away with the win in the, 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 the wild card round. As far as the AFC side, I just don't trust the Chiefs, and I just don't trust the Chargers. Chargers should have lost the game to all of the Chiefs' backups. They have no business to be in the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to go into Cincinnati, who's one of the better defenses in the league. Not an easy place to play. And I think the Bengals are going to roll them. As far as the Chiefs-Colts, I think the Chiefs have the best chance of any of these four teams who are a wild-card team to win. But Indy's clicking right now. And again, they are the home team. And you can't overstate enough how important it is to play at home during the playoffs. So it sounds crazy, but I'm taking all of the home teams to win in the wild-card round. All right, uh, I'd like to thank all my guests, Jake Plummer, Thomas McGahee, and Jimmy Spencer. Really quickly, Mario, before we leave, give me your fondest Darren Williams memory. My favorite Darren Williams memory was the game against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I believe it was in 2005. It was right after my birthday, a game in November. The Raiders were about to score. Kerry Collins was their quarterback. Dropped back, tried try to complete a pass to, so I believe it was Jerry Porter. Darren jumped the route, picked it off, took it 82 yards to the house. Broncos ended up winning that game by double digits. 
And he just it just goes to show what kind of player he was. He could completely change the comp the complex of the game and he was unbelievably fun to watch. He was a playmaker and he is truly, truly missed. And I'm glad that we've taken the time to celebrate him today because he was an amazing person, an amazing player, uh, and haven't got a good one, man. You've been listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Uh, we've been celebrating the life of Darren Williams. The celebration doesn't end here. You can also find me and Mario on Google Hangout as the conversation will continue. I will express my fondest memories of Darren via Google Hangout and Twitter. Once again, Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. You can join us here every week, same time, the best radio on any radio station. That's Voice America, anywhere else. Check you next week. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 